What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I feel like this is the first time I was back in the interview seat in quite some time, so it felt good to get back behind the mic asking someone smarter than me questions about what the hell is going on in the world of Bitcoin, particularly in the mining industry with the great migration out of China. I sat down with Leo Zhang, the founder of Anitra Research, uh, to talk about what's going on uh, with mining. Uh, what is this? What is this great migration? Is it real? How much bite be- is behind it? What are the dynamics at play? How are miners in China viewing this time in the market? How are they reacting? What does this mean for hash rate? What does this mean for difficulty? What does this mean for the future of Bitcoin? Uh, fascinating conversation, as always, with Leo, one of my favorite individuals to speak with in regards to bitcoin but most specifically bitcoin mining and the dynamics of the mining industry he knows a lot about what's going on in the hash rate production industry that we that we have going on here in bitcoin i think you guys are going to get a lot of uh, quality information in this rip i'm excited to bring it to you is brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking cash Cash apps help you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats. If you so please, we're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard. There's 100 million sats in one whole Bitcoin. You don't have to stack a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to stack a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats instead, and Cash App makes it extremely easy. You can DCA into sats. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly, set it and forget it, set a set amount, and just hit, hey, I want to buy a daily, I want to buy weekly, or I want to buy bi-weekly. And Cash App will do that for you. Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. So you get your paychecks direct deposited into the app to make your SAT stacking process more streamlined. Uh, on top of that, they have the Boost program. They have their Boost card. It's accepted anywhere. Visa's accepted. You can personalize it. Put a little Bitcoin sign on a little Lightning sign, a little signature, whatever you want. Uh, yeah. If you guys haven't done, downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you do so. Use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle, particularly their Lend uh, at Hoddle Hoddle pr- product. Uh, Lend at Hoddle Hoddle is a new non-custodial bitcoin back lending platform and allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally anonymously and on your own terms no kyc no aml and it's non-custodial it's collaborative custody they're leveraging bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to allow you to put your bitcoin in an escrow account you use your bitcoin as collateral and you get stable coin liquidity the way it works is you put your bitcoin in a two or three multi-sig wallet you hold one key your counterparty holds one key and hodl hodl holds one key because you hold one key, you have visibility into that wallet and you can be sure that your sats are not being rehypothecated or lent out. You know that they're going to be in that multi-sig escrow throughout the duration of the loan. As long as you're paying that back, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Uh, if you have stable coins laying around, you're looking to get a great return on those. Landed Hano Hano offers one of the highest uh, returns on the market. Uh, so if you're looking to get yield on that, you can lend your stable coins out on the other side of that marketplace. So create your own offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com today. That's L-E-N-D.H-O-D-L-H-O-D-L.com. This rip was also brought to you by our great friends at Compass Mining. 
Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into mining and the way they did it, they're doing it, excuse me, is they're making it extremely easy for you to acquire a miner and then plug it in at a hosting facility. So they have miners for sale, uh, Bitmain and MicroBT predominantly. You pick your mining model, you pay for that miner, and then you get a specific miner dedicated to you. You get the VN number, you get everything, and then you pick a hosting facility with a competitive electricity cost, uh, and you plug it in there. As long as you're paying your electricity cost, you paid off your miner, you're getting sat streamed to a wallet of your choice. Again, they're trying to get more individuals into the mining game at Compass Mining. Uh, go check out everything they're doing at compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. Uh, check out everything they've got going on. They're trying to get more plebs into the mining game. I've had a lot of freaks reach out to me, say that they've interacted with Compass Mining and they've loved the service so far. If you guys are interested, we'll have a special link in the show notes that is specific to this show. So go check it out. Uncle Marty hasn't done an ad read in like two weeks. He's got to breathe, breathe, breathe. We got the brains read coming up. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains. I'm actually going to be sitting down with Edward Evenson tomorrow to keep this conversation about the seismic shift in the hash rate markets going. Um, We're going to talk about what's going on with the mining industry, what they're seeing behind the scenes at Brains um, OS. But... We're not here to talk about that. You will hear that episode later this week or early next week. Right now, we're here to talk about the Brains team. They're telling me that Slush Pool Update is planned for July. They're just a triple, quadruple checking everything in simulations to make sure it's a silky smooth transition when the update goes live. We've been teasing this for a couple months now. It's been right around the corner. They're saying July. It is June 29th, 2021. So we're getting close to this Slush Pool Update. Meanwhile... While you're waiting for that slush pool update, the latest update for Brains OS Plus firmware includes full support for the Antminer S17e and T17e, as well as some significant improvements to the auto-tuning for all X17 devices. It's available now at brains.com slash OS slash plus. So brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash OS slash plus. Again, they added S17e, T17e, uh, and auto-tuning for all X17 devices has been improved significantly since network hash rate is at one-year lows due to the China crackdown, now is a great time for miners to juice up their ASICs with auto-tuning firmware and stack even more sats using Brains OS Plus, okay? For those that don't know how it works, it mostly comes down to the silicon on the hashing chips. There are small variations in the silicon quality for every chip in an ASIC. Typically, stock firmwares that come with the machines treat the entire device as a uniform unit, sending the same frequencies and voltages through hash boards. Brains OS Plus boosts performance by experimenting with different frequencies and voltages on each individual chip to learn which chips are higher quality than others. Then it calibrates to send more work to the higher quality chips and less work to the lower quality ones. The end result of this per chip tuning is more hash and thus more sats for your hash per watt of power consumed. Currently supported devices are, again, the Antminer S9, S9i, S9j, as well as the S17, S17 Plus, S17 Pro, T17, T17 Plus, and the ones just added, the S17e and T17e. Next up are what's miners, of course. Edward, I'm going to whip you tomorrow when we, in, when we do our interview, but I just need to do it via the ad as well. Um, so they're working on what's miner and S19s from Bitmain. Stay tuned, TM, for more updates on the firmware and slush pool. Uh, and check out Insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-N 
S.com for content, stats, charts, mining profitability tools to stay up on top of everything happening in the mining industry. Uh, speaking of the mining industry, this episode's heavy with mining industry information. I think you guys are going to like it. Leo is a mensch. Enjoy. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. I feel like it's been, gosh, it feels like three, four weeks since I've last recorded an interview, but I'm very happy to be back behind the mic, particularly with my guest, Leo Zhang from Anitra Research, to talk about everything that's going on in the mining world, particularly with this, this news out of China, the China ban. Is this one real, Leo? What the hell's going on? Yeah, it's pretty substantial as uh, evidenced by the drop off hash rate. Right. When we, I'm looking at the Clark Moody's dashboard right now, estimated to have a negative 26.3% difficulty adjustment around Friday of this week. I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. What, what, are, what are you seeing? I mean, obviously, we've had many quote unquote China bans throughout Bitcoin's history up to this point. Most of the the bands that I've experienced have not had much bite behind them, but this one seems to have some bite behind it. Obviously, you and I have been talking um, outside of the show and in personal chats about everything that's going on. Um, I've spoken directly with miners from China looking to get out. I mean, I think I can confirm that um, this is definitely happening, at least to some extent. But I, I wanted to bring you on and have a discussion about this with you particularly, because I know you have your finger on the pulse with everything that's going on in, um, in China and, and what the, the state is posturing like this time around. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there a lot going on right now. Um, and I'd say chaotic is, is probably the right word to, to describe the, the situation. Um, I think it's a little bit difficult to, to gauge what is uh, happening as a whole. Um, because you know every miner is it's, it's it's not coordinated, right? It's every miner is trying to look up for 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 themselves. Um, so I'd say this this ban itself it definitely is much more substantial than the posturing that happened uh, the few previous uh, times. Um, I think there there are multitude factors that contribute to uh, making this more substantial. Um, first and foremost, I think Bitcoin is also significantly larger than before. Um, and two, I think there there were you know similar to to the Fed that every central bank is printing a lot of money, right? So uh, the speculative frenzy in uh, China is also increasing. But this is kind of a um, something that they are much more cautious of, uh, especially this year, which is uh, the hundredth year of uh, wait, is it a hundredth year? Uh, well, this this year is definitely a, a, a significant yes, sorry, the hundredth year of the founding of the Communist Party. Um, 
So in you know November 2015, there was uh, so so the capital markets. I, I know I'm just going jumping on a lot of things, but um, the background just become the context just become more and more important. Uh, but so the capital markets in China is relatively thinner; it's much less developed compared to you know U.S. equity markets that have much, much, much longer history, right?、Um, so it's much easier to create disruptions for several you know whales to coordinate、uh, to to corner you know market or just create some kind of uh, uh, strange patterns on Chinese A shares.、Um, so 2015, November 2015, there was a.、Uh, um, A very rapid bull market there,、uh, just fueled by leverage, shadow banking,、um, just very,、uh, you know, typical early Wall Street day moves. But that resulted in a massive crash. So that made a lot of people unhappy,、um, and particularly that you know the the leadership was very concerned about this kind of speculative activities that fueled by、uh, leverage. Um, so they definitely don't want something like this to happen on the hundredth years of the the hundredth year funding of、uh, of the party.、Um, so I think there is a very conscious effort to to make sure that the speculative frenzy、uh, is being contained. And this is this is not just crypto, right? This is also just all the other speculative assets as well.、Um, the difference with、uh, China is that、um, the The retail and the traders, or the inst- institution, in the relative institutions, are much more comfortable with cri- crypto、uh, compared to equity, just because the relative short history of capital having a capital markets.、Um, you know, whereas here, the you talk to a lot of these、uh, gray hair people. Um, they that have made a lot of money on on equity, right? They just feel equity seems or equity or, or fixed income assets are more legitimate compared to crypto. It's just because of the relative、uh, history. So anyway, so、um, there is a conscious effort to to contain the speculative frenzy.、Um, and three, I think, is a less discussed reason is that. So post COVID,、um, the pace of digitalization、uh, everywhere, pretty much, but especially particular in China, has picked up a lot of pace.、Um, so more and more activities are been、uh, integrated, and people are more and more used to having just doing things in pure digital format.、Um, so there is more conscious push to make sure that data centers are been、uh, built up to standard. Data centers are fully utilized for、uh, to handle much quantity of compute. Um, so, and this is part of a, a very important conversation, or、um, well, not really a conversation, an announcement that was made,、uh, I think, a, a couple months ago, of、um, making sure that there is just enough compute resources to support this level of digitalization.、Um, so, I think that's probably part of the reason, just to make sure that these、uh, data center built are being、uh, repurposed to to handle、um, more approved、uh, computing activities. So. Uh, yeah, so I think there, there's a, a wide variety of reasons, and also,、um, not to mention, you know, the push for DCP is right around the corner.、Uh, so why would you want like a computing asset, right? So why would you want something that's just confusing、uh, to people when you're trying to、um, when you have the ability to, to to push for 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 something else? So yeah, I think it's the mixture of all these reasons that's making、um, more more. That's why it's 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 just the perfect storm. Um, and not to mention that the enforce enforcement of of this year is is stronger because they、uh, the local government they feel like more compelled to、uh, to appeal to the leadership that they're doing a great job.、Um, uh, whereas in most of the previous attempts, the 
the the enforcements are pretty uh, lackluster, right? Like, oh, you guys just shut down for a couple of days and so wait until this is over and then you can do whatever. So I think, I still think there will be some hash rate come back up in uh, in China after this um, period of time is, is, uh, is over. Um, but I think this, this is definitely a period where enforcement is is more uh, more active. Yeah, it certainly seems that way, and it, it is interesting that you mentioned the uh, the digitization of the economy and uh, the CCP wanting to prioritize uh, other data center uh, activities over Bitcoin miners, which just um, just points to the fact that Bitcoin miners are, are second class citizens in the eyes of a lot of uh, governments and uh, utility providers around the world. When push comes to shove, um, miners will get the shit end of the stick. We've seen that happen time and time again, whether it's in China or Quebec, Washington State, I believe in Kazakhstan, they just ended some tax rebates as well as, as mining became too popular on their grid. Um, so it seems like that trend is continuing, particularly when you're mining on grid. So, so how much did that factor into a lot of these decisions too is is the the mining on grid with particular energy sources uh like coal in uh, inner mongolia it seemed like it started in a few provinces uh, and then slowly but surely one after another even going as far as uh, in sichuan um the province oh yeah there there yeah I, I forgot there's also this carbon neutral uh thing <laughs> as well but i mean Sichuan is definitely not the case right the, that that's clearly not the uh consideration um and also last year there was actually an attempt to legitimize this because uh sorry legitimize uh, uh, uh cryptocurrency mining because um the the hydro area in Sichuan, they definitely overproduce, uh, overproduce tons of power, like on average. Um, and of course, there are definitely periods of time where, where uh, that, but anyways, that, that's besides the point. Um, the main thing is they create these, uh, these zones, they created these zones where these uh, mining companies can actually get registered and, and uh, absorb the excess power uh, and pay, you know, uh, tax, which is, you know, great for, for, for the local government, great for the miner, great for everybody. Um, and this year it just flopped, uh, that decision is just, it's turned. Um, so I think this is the, the broader, just zoom out and the, look at this a broader thing is, um, Compute is definitely a finite resource, or at least oh, it's not a finite resource. Sorry, that's that's really stupid claim. Uh, it it is uh it its rate of growth is finite. Its rate of growth is is bottlenecked, um, and uh, and I think more and more things. There's a clear, it's a very clear trend that uh, humanity is going a faster base at, at digitalization. Uh, this is actually a comment of Mark Liu, uh, the chairman of TSMC. Uh, in I think uh, quarter, the quarterly report, several several quarterly reports ago, and he mentioned you know why uh, TSMC uh, is being bought, the supply chain is being bottlenecked. Um, one of the reasons mentioned is post COVID uh, acceleration of digitalization. Um, I think as more and more activities are becoming more compute heavy, uh, requires much more data to to process. I think um, there is the the ultimate bottleneck the ultimate boss that the industry has to defeat is is really just a wafer wafer allocation All right so yeah and that's well it's interesting how this is all going to change the variables in the asic market specifically so like if it takes a considerable amount of time for the rest of the global mining 
industry to absorb the the hash rate coming from China and looking to find homes elsewhere. Uh, what do you think that does for the market for ASX? I think we've we've already seen prices come down um, pretty considerably uh, over the last month, specifically um, for micro BT and, and Bitmain. I mean, Bitmain came out and they said they're going to stop production on some of their newer models just because of the, the glut that's going on right now. So that's another interesting dynamic at play here is the the flooding of the market with ASICs. If, if I guess one, I guess how we should structure this part of the conversation is what are you hearing from uh, the Chinese miners? How successful are they in finding homes abroad or unsuccessful and if they're having trouble finding capacity to plug their machines in, are they thinking about selling them um, just to cover some cost in the short to medium term? Yeah, um, I think this is this is where the 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 situation gets the the most messy uh, because there is no coordinator that's sort of, sort of building bridge between uh, all these different regions, right? These the for a lot of the miners who are. Uh, less connected, who are not, you know, on Twitter, uh, or you know, who doesn't speak a word of English, right? There is no way for them to to even beginning to navigate uh, shipping machines overseas, right? Like, who are they going to uh, call? Who are they going to talk to? Right? They, there's no, um, and there is no very established services, or at least not yet, to 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 broker this kind of relationship. Um, there's no international player, right, to, to do this activity. So miners who are successfully find uh, homes overseas are miners who are, you know, tend to be much larger or tend to have experience doing, you know, global logistics or just, because uh, it's very hard. They're, when they talk to, um, you know, U.S. hosts, Canadian hosts, or, or Russian hosts, Kazakhstan hosts, they don't know if the people on the other side of the chat is real, right? It, it, they don't know, right? They don't know if what they're saying is true. They don't know if the market rate is actually six cents or set seven cents. Um, they don't know, right? And, and it's very difficult for them to, uh, especially in this climate, to just you know fly from uh, from China to to to. I, I think the border is still. I, I think they, you have to stay in a different country for two weeks before uh, before before. Anyways, there, there's tons of like things that's slowing down this process. Um, so yeah, I think this is a massive massive coordination problem. Um, a lot of machines are currently in storage. That's for sure. Uh, I think most miners are still trying to figure out what is the best way to move machines uh, to 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 hosting over uh, to host overseas. And of course, for miners who realize, oh, there's absolutely nothing I can do about this. Of course, they sell machines. But the problem is, even the machine brokerage market, right? It's also not a really established market. There is no international player who's m moving machines from this place to the other place. Um, there's a lot of scams on these uh, on these markets as well. A lot of uh, um, just irresponsible handling of the machines. Um, so yeah, so miners, there are a lot of a lot of the sell order or just are just uh, stuck in China. People are trying to sell machines and nobody to take them, right? And here you see people on uh, on the internet who are like, oh, of course, I'm going to buy all these machines. This is trading so cheap, so cheap. Yeah, go ahead if you can find these people. If you can find the people who are actually selling machines, right? You kind of have to go uh, go 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 there right now to identify these um, uh, 
to identify, first of all, these hardwares are, are real because there are scams from both sides. So there are definitely people taking advantage of the, the situation right now. Um, and not to, and third is shipping, right? So, so there is also a premium on international logistic or on international shipping right now uh, because, you know, the, 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 the shipping world is also just re still recovering from COVID, right? So there are other goods that they're still waiting in backlog that are just beginning to handle. This is a perfect storm. And um, I think there is uh, quite a bit of a markup on, on shipping costs. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think air shipping is, is incredibly expensive right now. Um, a lot of uh, the miners who are uh, actually shipping machines from China to US opt for, uh, for, for, uh, for shipping containers. Um, but you know, these boats, they, they take a long time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think this situation is going to take a long time to unwind. Um, there are also miners who are just, you know, putting these shelving, these machines in, uh, in storage and just, you know, decide, all right, let's just wait for, for this to be over. Um, definitely. I mean, obviously they're losing time. They're losing money on the, um, every moment you own a machine that's not hashing, you're sort of, you know, losing money. Right. Um, yeah. So I think to summarize, some people are trying to, some of the larger, more connected and more, I'd say more, um, sophisticated miners are trying to look for opportunities, um, uh, to ship machines to, to, uh, to the regions I mentioned earlier. Um, a lot of the facilities here or facilities, you know, in, in even Kazakhstan, Russia, they're trying to attract uh, Chinese miners, but they also don't know who to talk to, 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 to find the right people. Um, so yeah, and, so, and, and for uh, another group of people who have absolutely no avenue of trying to move machines they're trying to sell, but um, a lot the 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 sell orders are all stuck in China, right? That doesn't really get uh, translated to other regions. Where, um, you know, if if you talk to some large miner here in U.S. right now and show them the price of these machines, they would just raise a, another hundred million debt and just buy them out, right? This is a distressed investment opportunity. Wall Street or any commodity investor, well understood, black swan induced. Uh, distress event. This is golden, golden opportunity. But how on earth are you going to find a central coordinator that can actually verify these hardware, show you these hardwares are um, where they where they are currently stored, and and actually make the purchase? Because unlike dealing with manufacturers, there's no single point that you can talk to. There's no like Vincent that you can talk to if I call up. Right? There's a bunch of these people, um, and. The third category are people who don't know, absolutely have no idea what to do right now. And they just put machine storage and wait and see. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And you factor in like tariffs on top of all this and. Is oh, there's tariff. Yeah. <laughs> that as well. And then, so is, are you hearing anything about the, the, the communist party stopping people from shipping stuff? Like is, is, obviously they're cracking down pretty hard. Are they cracking down to the extent that they would prevent uh, the, the miners from China from, from sending their stuff abroad? Um, or is that? Not really. Um, I, I mean, so, someone surfaced this rumor uh, with me, but I do not see that come up in uh, the Chinese community or at least the chats that I'm monitoring. Right. Uh, I don't see that. Yeah. There's a lot of people wondering if uh, we're getting set up for a 51% attack right now, but I think logistically uh, attempting to coordinate that is, is pretty, a pretty big lift, if you will. 
Yeah, and honestly, I think this is not really, uh, you know, top of their priority. Um, I, I think they have a lot, and also I, I think um, a lot of uh, uh, people who uh, they just don't really realize how difficult it is to coordinate uh, a machine that's as large as as you know the Chinese government. Right? It is very very massive. It is very difficult to coordinate, and it takes um, a lot of the uh, decisions when it gets um, translated on the local branch. It it changes flavor. It just completely misinterpreted. They're just because they're just too many humans. It, it's it's another uh, big coordination uh, problem. So, um, so I think I see a lot of claims that some not not a lot of claims, but some claims that oh, you know, uh, you know, what if China just launched a fifty one percent attack? It's like who. Who's going to do that? Uh, who's coordinating that? Who's responsible for that? And uh, who made that? It's 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 like any bureaucracy where most people who work there, uh, their priority is just to collect the salary and 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 cover their ass. That um, I don't think this is really on top of their uh, priority list uh, right yeah, now. They're not 4D chess gaming out the uh, the attack of the Bitcoin network. Um, yeah, it just it seems. Again, like you just mentioned, like it would be too much of a heavy logistics lift for uh, a bureaucracy where most of the people who make up that bureaucracy just want to get their paycheck and go about their lives. Um, but yeah, it's been crazy to see all this hash rate fall off the network. And, and like you mentioned, there, there's this, this, I guess, courting period that we're in right now. Uh, between uh, the Chinese mining industry and, and the mining industry from uh, around the rest of the world where it, and we're learning a lot of lessons, particularly um, it's not as easy to spin up a hundred megawatts of <laughs> yeah. here substations. There's, there's more regulatory tape. And I, I think that's one thing that is very fascinating just to watch play out in real time for me personally is, is historically, obviously the mining industry in China has been a bit opaque, but now uh the push has come to shove and they're, they're sort of forced to find um, solutions to this very specific problem that, that they're having to communicate with players throughout the industry. And we're learning a lot about each other, um, the North American mining industry and the Chinese mining industry specifically right now. It's just been a really interesting line of communication that's been opened over the last six weeks as, as well. Yeah, um, I'd say, and and also I think a lot of uh, uh, regulators, uh, you know, slash governments are also just trying to figure out their relationship with Bitcoin mining, right? And I, I think um, very few places have made made that very explicit. And also, this can change uh, when uh, you know administrations change. So, I think this is going to be a continue. Um, this going this continue going to be a very interesting conversation for. Uh, for the new generation of autonomous, uh, di- uh, what I mean is when we are all collectively building the digital universe, right? We're building activities, infrastructure on digital civilization because um, it's clearly that's the it's the it's the direction of where uh, humanity is going. Um, so if we are just decide that okay, we're all going to build these uh, uh, centrally managed things where people just you know live on and um these sort of feudal villages like you know what google facebook have created right these are 
you can hang out there, but you also have to pay your sovereign tax in the form of your digital data, your your digital footprints. Everything is owned. But um, and on the other hand, can we create these more autonomous, more uh, I guess objective existence that that um, that sort of less centrally coordinated, right? Because which involves more um, I guess human elements. Um, but anyways, I, that's a bigger conversation. You know, I like these heady conversations, but I mean, we're being forced to figure this out right now. I, and I guess it's a good segue into like the conversation of miners in China, the bigger players who are able to communicate with potential hosting providers in the West um, and are able to actually move machines and, and, and get this logistics problem solved on their end. What are they looking for? uh in terms of, of hosting uh in the west like what what makes sense for them from a business perspective in your opinion um uh, coming from china where historically electricity costs have been extremely low what is the threshold that they're willing to stomach as they as they move their machines out outside of china yeah, so uh, from what I've seen, right, people are exploring several locations. Um, Kazakhstan, I think, is it's uh, sort of a, uh, a, pl- a popular place that are looking at. I think Bitmain has has a has a strong tie with with them, um, but this you know tied to the previous con- the topic of governments also trying to flex, figure out their relation with Bitcoin mining. All right, this this tax thing, which I, I, I I'm, I'm not an expert, but um, just from what, what I read, it seems like they're also trying to take advantage of that. Um, so, which is which is quite a quite an unattractive thing, right? Because um, I think the number one priority for large, large, super large scale Chinese miners, they want stability, right? They want stability in terms of uh, regulation. They want st- stability of uh, they know that their assets are protected, but especially now they can't go visit their facilities, uh, their hardware once in a while, right? When they, um, uh, I mean, in the past, I don't think they they the the real owners actually visit those facilities that much either, but uh, at least there, there's a much greater distance. So you want this um, mental comfort knowing that these machines are safe and there's not going to be you know, seized by uh, if there's a whatever going on uh, in that place. Um, so on top of that, uh, obviously is the cost. I think now is a weird time because people are very desperate to move machines. And uh, just from, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're also in these, uh, some of these chats, I think a lot of their standards are also getting lower and lower. Uh, <laughs> as they talk to uh, the facilities, like I, I've seen, you know, people are like, oh, six cents, that's way higher than what we are used to, right? And now they're like, oh, eight cents, let's go. Um, so so it's, uh, it's um, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, a supply and demand uh, imbalance um, that's at play here. Um, and I think a lot of the facilities, even in North America's um, very few facilities have the capacity to really absorb that kind of volume um, right off the bat. Um, so a lot of conversations turn out to be, oh yeah, we would love to have you guys, you know, we have three megawatts now, but if you invest with us, we will show you a hundred megawatt next year. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think, Everyone is also just trying to figure out what is the best way to approach this. Um, obviously, there are larger farms that um, are ready operating, have a lot of spaces that, that are ready to do this. Um, but I think uh, that's, uh, that's definitely not the case for everybody. 
No, it's going to take at least a year, year to year, year and a half to build out the necessary substation infrastructure to to take on all these machines, at least in my mind. Yeah, so the lead time in U.S. for construction is definitely higher, uh, much longer than uh, than uh, average uh, lead time in China, uh, and also cost of construction is also much higher. Um, I mean, there was a reason that Chinese China became the, the mining capital of the world is because of all these reasons that we uh, mentioned earlier. But um, but now they're forced to to get comfortable with uh, certain variables not playing their favor uh, in exchange for uh, longevity of their operation. That's a real shame, man. I mean, I, I've been saying this on Twitter and in the newsletter over the last month or so, but it is just the Chinese mining industry specifically has arguably, arguably been the most ruthlessly competitive aspect of Bitcoin. And, throughout its 12 and a half year history up to this point, whether it be from the actual construction of the mining operations all the way down to the hardware, the ASICs that makes the mining world go round. And it's just extremely disheartening to see how much hard work, blood, sweat, tears, effort has been put into the mining industry in China specifically. And just with the stroke of a pen, it's just they've been forced to scramble, um, which is just is, is somebody who respects entrepreneurship and um and capitalist endeavors it's just it's a shame to see this happen to a cohort of bitcoiners who have proven to be extremely uh, aggressive cutthroat and innovative in the mining space particularly yeah <laughs> yeah um i actually think the the old uh, paradigm of um uh, having hash rate in one place, um, and because uh, right, it's it's very clear that um, the finance play is is it's happening. It's been it's it's built out in U.S. Right, um, the large institutions, the traders, uh, the people who are much more sophisticated at you know playing coins on the market. These are uh, these are U.S. players, and um, so when it comes to understanding how to play games on capital markets, how to raise massive amount of, you know, debt at favorable rates. Uh, Chinese miners have nothing to compete against, or just, you know, in general, just have nothing to compete against um, the highly sophisticated, highly well-educated uh, American elite capitalists, right? Um, I, I thought it was a good setup to have um, the majority, a, a good amount of hash rate there um, and these institutions that handle a lot of trading activities here. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that means for the future. I just hope that this doesn't mean that um, it becomes easier for the top players to accumulate hash rate as well as coins. Because uh, they can, event if, uh, I mean, imagine all these machines are, are all, here in the US, right? Mm -hmm. An event like this, a black swan event like this where machines are uh, trading at a discount. A lot of people are selling. It's very easy. Uh, well, it's not that easy, I'm sorry, but still it's relatively easy for like a, a big player, see this opportunity, go raise a couple hundred million debt at the very attractive rate, buy up the market and just um, either self-mine or lease these machines to someone else or resell these machines at a higher markup or just, you know, do, what, do whatever. And there's tons of things that they can play, right? Um, so, well, 
that's something I love about the mining industry, though, right? Like, there's so much ex execution risk on the back end of that. Yes, you can go raise $100 million and go do all this, but can you plug the machines in at the end of the day? Can you lock down the, the energy infrastructure necessary to power all those machines? So many moving parts um, on the back end of that. That It's one of the things that gives me a lot of, um, uh, I guess, it reduces a lot of the concerns that I would have particularly is that the execution risk is so high um, that yes, you may be able to go raise that capital, but can you actually execute on the back end? I think that's like a, a bit of a curbing function um, for centralization in the industry. Could be wrong. Yeah, that, that's totally fair. That's that's a good point, especially at the current stage, right? I think um, mostly because the these uh, massive facilities that can handle that kind of scale professionally are not, um, there are not that many of them. Um, but it's possible that they, uh, through the centralization process, uh, well, centralization, concentration of hash power process, they can um, prop up a few facilities that they're more comfortable with working with. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I think there, there's, there are still a lot of variables here uh, that, that can completely derail um, their, their plan to corner the market. Um, but one thing I hope that doesn't happen is if when all these hash rates become concentrated here, uh, become easier for uh, regulators to to uh, you know uh, force KYC on, on on mining activities. Right, no, that's a big a big risk and something to consider. I want to see the hash rate migrate Canada, U.S., Latin America, Europe, all over the place. Um, one thing we have here in the states that does give me um, a little hope, at least, is the the jurisdictional arbitrage from state to state, mm. um, especially after COVID and lockdowns last year, we saw a resurgence of states asserting their autonomy um, from the federal government and between each other. So that gives me hope that when we get enough hash rate distributed across state lines in, in North America and the United States specifically, um, that'll be a, a bit of a curbing function to potential regulatory centralization um yeah that makes a lot of sense like native american tribes involved too they have their own their own um laws that come with their territory and then um obviously distributing risk um from company to company from mom and pop oil and gas companies to hydroelectric uh utilities all the way up to super major oil and gas companies these sort of distributed risk among state lines county lines tribal lines and different size stakeholder corporate lines could be a diversity of of hash rate risk but yeah no, that it is always a looming um a looming threat to if you get too much hash rate concentrated and the federal government decides to get cheeky um that could be a problem yeah i mean they all they have to do is regulate the big players right they um but i guess that there's nothing really to regulate right you just have to uh, I mean, those people, they, they, if, if they're operating at scale, they have to report something anyways. So, um, yeah, no, be, I, I don't know. There's so many variables that need to be figured out, especially like the hosting side in the U.S. If we're going to take on a bunch of um, miners from China, like there's, there's, a, there's a level of like machine repair uh, operations that you have to have in-house. And that's something that very few... Um, operations are doing at scale i would imagine um right now so there's a lot of moving parts yeah that's another big thing 
right? And they don't like, especially with hosting, like if they don't like machines being down, if it's down for longer than a day, that's a problem. So it's um, that's another sort of variable that needs to be figured out is, is uh, a robust machine repair market is probably going to develop here in North America as well. Yeah, I remember reading a news that uh, Corsi, for instance, signed a, uh, a deal with uh, Bitmain um, spin up some kind of uh, technician training. I don't remember if that was before COVID or after COVID. I'm, of course, like, COVID, if that was before COVID, that probably never happened. So, um, but, um, but anyways, I, I think people are conscious of, of this problem, especially with new gen machines, right? You're stuck with them for a longer period of time. You're stuck with them for, for longer years. And these things are precious. They're, they're, they're expensive. You spend a lot of money buying these things. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean, unlike some of the secondary uh, used uh, you know, T2 or S9s that you know, if, if they're really broken, just throw them away. Um, at these things, you, you, you do need to re- replace some components. You do need to re- uh, repair them. Um, uh, and you don't want to like ship them back to Shenzhen and, and wait for them to ship you some uh, replacements. That that's that's terrible. Yeah, that, that would be a long lead time, I'd imagine. And the tariffs involved with all that would be a massive headache. This is going to be an exciting time for you building Alchemy. You're building hash rate derivatives products right now. The, the hash rate market is being disrupted in a way that it, it never has before. I mean, are you? Ex- I mean, obviously it's terrible what's going on, but is there a bit? A part of you that's excited just to to get. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, and of course, I I feel bad for for uh, all of my friends who who uh, who who suffer this right. And and it's a huge bit of uh, it's, a, it's a big head, headache. And 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 uh, I, I feel that. Um, I mean, I don't feel that, but I. You understand it. I understand that, um, but yeah, I think it is. It is definitely a very interesting time in mining. I think for exi- existing miners, this is a really great, this is a golden window of opportunity to, to just, uh, I think it's going to be very difficult to see an opportunity like this to, to, to make uh, just a lot of revenue from mining. Um, I think it's, it's still a little early to say um, that mining is going to have its own uh very mature capital markets, which is you know what what I'm trying to do. Um, but I think these dynamics are interesting. I think they, I can't quite de- determine if this thing is net positive or bad uh, or, or or negative for me. I mean, it's just a thing. Um, so yeah, un- until that is more clear, uh, I, I want to just talk to as many people as possible. To yeah. So how? How do you see this playing out? How do you see the the hash rate and the difficulty uh, evolving over the next twelve to eighteen months? Do you think it's going to take a considerable amount of time to recover? Do you think um, you think we'll recover quicker than a lot of people are expecting? Um, what is what is the hash rate regime going to look um, out in the second half of twenty twenty one, beginning of twenty twenty two, or beyond? Yeah, I think there are several criti- uh, critical variables here. Um, one is uh, the the first and the most important is um, how long is this enforcement going to last, right? If it's so, for uh, there's still a good amount of miners who are just you know sitting there and just waiting for this to play out and see what happens afterwards. If this is just a period of time and wait for you know July August to 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 be over and um, some 
some facility gradually open back up, then I think um, the recovery will happen much faster than we had uh, previously anticipated. But if this enforcement is a long lasting one, um, then the only way out for these machines is to be shipped outside of China, right? Then it's some, the coordination problems that we mentioned earlier are still gonna be there. Um, but of course, I think some channels will become more established, uh, some uh, communications and logistics and shipping uh, will become more mature and uh, um, through word of mouth, some of the um, more proven channels will become more and more popular. Um, I think it, it, it won't be as chaotic as, as now, um, but I, I think that is still something that will take a long time to, to happen. It's hard for me to, to determine if that's, uh, you know, 12 month or 18 month, um, I, I, I think, but for most of minors right now, uh, this is the top, top priority, right? They, they spend every minute of their, their waking time trying to figure out how to, how to, how to resolve this. Um, I, I think, you know, ha asking them to, to stay in this level of stress uh, <laughs> for 18, uh, for 18 months, that's, that's, uh, it's difficult. Yeah. Even if this does prove to be a temporary enforcement period you'd have to imagine that a lot of these miners just don't want this type of risk looming over their operations so they at least diversify a percentage of their of their hash rate to to be safe in the long run oh yeah definitely i think um even if they just you know turn uh turn their managed to turn their machine back up i think they were still uh, you know spent quite a bit of time researching the uh, ways to to uh, to move out it just give them a much more uh, more time actually so before this whole thing happened um the larger miners in china have already started looking at uh, facilities uh outside right um they they were always sort of conscious of something like this would what might happen um but it's just uh, beginning of the year it's just so profitable so uh, a lot of these guys they they were conscious of um something like this might happen but they had the plan of um, moving machines outside but they just didn't do it because you know they don't want to lose time um and now they're really losing time yeah yeah how do you see this affecting bitmain and micro bt um, you think this affects their their production schedules moving forward yeah, so it was, we saw that um, Bitmain has halted uh, the production, well, the sales of their new, new units, right? Um, I think this is preci precisely because uh, secondary machines are flooding the market. Uh, and so they, if they sell, they kind of have to sell at an artificially lower price uh, because the price of the machines is not really packed to um, the manufacturing costs, right? And, and which is much more stable, um, but it's compared, it's, it's, sorry, it's packed to uh, the earning rate of per terahash. Uh, and as well as the relative market, um, or what, are pe what other people are selling the machines at. So right now it doesn't quite make sense for what's minor and micro BT to sell their um, newest gen machines. I think this is definitely damaging for their revenue projection, especially um, for companies that are looking, manufacturers that are looking to go public, right? That, that's been in the conversation for a long time. Um, I think Canon might probably trade at a pretty funny, uh, uh, it's price is probably gonna trade at a pretty funny pattern <laughs> uh, but uh, but that, that's not what we're discussing um, I do think they're they're taking quite a bit of hit uh, at least for revenue projection yeah how how far out do they have to rent space on the foundry floor like if they rent it like for mid 2022 they're gonna have to produce when when that production 
time comes up, correct? Or they sell it to somebody else, do you think? That I don't know. Um, I think, I think, I mean, these are like super top secret deal uh, negotiations between the foundry as well as the leadership of um, these uh, manufacturer. Um, but the news that the, the temporary halts from Bitmain, I think it was until September. Uh, if I, if I, if I remember correctly, I need to double check, but um, I think they will just have to see after what happens in September. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating time. It's a great time to be a miner If you, if you have your, your stuff up and running. Um, but again, yeah, stressful time for the Chinese mining market. I mean, just such a shame again. And I just want to echo that and I feel for all the Chinese miners out there who are scrambling right now. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, you have to think that this threat has been looming for some time. You can never, uh, never bank on the CCP allowing you to do things in the perpetuity. I guess this risk has always been looming and it's finally being acted upon, um, by the government. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I loved your tweet last week. Well, uh, it was a a gif of a guy holding a gun. But how did how did you describe it? Uh, you, you basically said, "Don't fuck this up." The the boys of Sichuan have been protecting the network for. Dude, for- I I was drunk when I tweeted that. <laughs> it was a very it got me jacked up. <laughs> yeah, I I was not expecting that kind of reaction. Uh, that of that that tweet. I mean, it, it's it's just a ridiculous that my drunk tweet got um uh, somewhat viral but whereas my thoughtful analysis piece that i spent a, a month putting together gets you know one hundredth of the amount of attention <laughs> but i guess that's that's uh that's twitter for you <laughs> well you, you know i value your uh, your analysis piece. <laughs> yeah i appreciate that yeah yeah do you want to talk about alchemy and what you're what you're building at all um before? yeah absolutely i would love to um yeah, so so you know, prior to to all these uh, things happening, I, I I've been uh, I was minor myself, um, and uh, it was very obvious to me that at least that was you know during 2018 2019, uh, it was very obviously uh, it was very obvious to me the biggest problem for miners at that time is when there's no way to manage the revenue risk, right? Uh, there's plenty of ways for miners to to optimize the expense side because um, these are much more tangible. These are more operation more physical with a lack of a better word. Um, but revenues, you're just completely competing against the market. You're completely just relying on, uh, there's no good way to predict how, how much you're getting for the next day or, or uh, the next hour really. Um, and, um, and, and another thing is, and the direct consequence of that is uh, limited access to capital. And of course this has changed quite a bit uh, since you know 2019 um, even. But uh, at that time, I think it was just very difficult to, to raise money for a mining vehicle. Um, a lot of the conversation with traditional investors is that, okay, you know, this, the numbers you put out is great, but what we really want is a guaranteed 2 to 5% return every year. That's, that's all we want, right? Um, so I think just from a uh, capital structure perspective, it seems much more efficient for uh, mining to uh, mining operators to, to raise as um, uh, to raise debt instruments compared to just selling equity. But um, the in 2018, 2019, the there are just no the, the market was not very the lending market was not very favorable to miners. Nobody was really taking machine as collateral. 
um, in order to really get a massive, uh, 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 in order to raise, um, to, to, to raise, uh, 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 to, to borrow, right? You need to collateralize a piece of land, right? You, you need to collateralize your facility and that's, that's just a, a terrible way of uh, scaling your business. Um, but anyways, so all these, all these things start, start making me think, um, what would a hash power based capital markets look like? What, how would this evolve? Because it does have a lot of similarities with, um, traditional commodities market, right? Um, and, uh, sorry, how traditional, uh, how traditional commodity business developed over time. Uh, so I started thinking, okay, what would, um, what would the instrument for miners look like if they were to use them to hedge and monetize hash power when the market's good? Um, so that was the beginning of thinking about Alchemia and I became very uh, obsessed with the idea. Uh, I've seen you know, a lot of previous attempts that have tried to create some kind of like liquid instruments or just more abstract form of hash power, uh, you know, like nice hash uh, cloud mining contracts over the counter trading hash power forwards or just uh, tokens backed by machines. Uh, tokens uh, uh, that backed by um, you know specific amount of hash power, but issued by central managed uh, farms. Right. We've seen all these, right? And and all of them failed in one way or another. I think um, the biggest biggest problem is that um, these things are the the financial profile of hash power is quite complex. It's very difficult to manage, and this is far more complicated compared to even just an option on on price on on, on Bitcoin price, right? Uh, because there are tons of variables that that uh, are at play here, and you can't really—it's difficult to dissect them to to sort of like quantify um, them um, um, uh, individually, even. So, uh, and and uh, for if someone's smart and heard this, they might uh, raise, raise eyebrow. What I meant um, individually is that there is a, a little bit of cross correlation between these variables but it's very difficult to uh, quantify exactly what kind of correlation that is. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think the big problem is that to sell these things directly, right, it, it's very hard. Um, we've seen OTC deals, um, but the problem of that is, and uh, a lot of times the, the broker of these OTC deals, participants of these, they will say, all right, yeah, there's family offices. They can see this as a great way to accumulate Bitcoin at a lower price. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, if it works out, that's definitely, seems like that's definitely the case. And I, I'm, you know, f- I fully support that, um, that narrative. Um, but the problem is it's very difficult to scale these type of transactions because every transaction is purely negotiation. Because let, let's say if I were buying some hash rate from you, right? And how do we decide on the price? How do we decide on the assumption? I, so I say, okay, I'm pricing this contract. I'm paying you this hash power contract based on my assumption that difficulty is going to uh, grow 50% next month. And you're like, fuck you, it's only going to grow 20%. So we're like, okay, let's do, you know, 22.5%. <laughs> so, so my point is every contract is going to be um, a negotiation process um, on things that are very difficult to, um, to find an objective ground for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it works. It works sometimes for the participants that engage in these kind of contracts, but it's very difficult to scale. Um, so I wanted to basically what I want to build is um, a public market for these things, right? But at the same time, uh, it's I don't I can't I realize it's impossible to to, to approach this directly. 
because um, because it's very difficult to sell, right? It's very difficult to price. It's very difficult to trade, uh, and the liquidity of these things are going to be terrible. <laughs> um, so. Uh, it's it's going to trigger some of your audience. What I'm going to say next, <laughs> um, but but oh well. So I mean, uh, but but I, I will I will walk through my rationale. I I, I swear to God. Um, but one thing that is that makes this possible is to deconstruct the cash flow that's generated from hash power and reconstruct them into something that's much, much easier to understand. And this is only possible after certain components in the DeFi universe have become mature and widely used and tested. And what I mean by deconstruction or reconstruction is that, um, so say a bunch of hash power contracts, right? They generate these cash flow that's relative. There's some predictability to how much they're going to generate. But what you can do is you can package them up and re-offer them as debt, as fixed income instruments. So this is actually a, this is actually a far more, uh, this works because, uh, well, in theory it works, uh, is it, because it's also in, even in the DeFi side, it's much more attractive than any of the EO generating products that's being offered right now, uh, because most of them, these yields are backed by collaterals of very volatile assets. And these things fluctuate all the time. These things cannot scale. So if you look at you know, um, fixed income markets, you know, I'm talking about real fixed income markets, the volume is massive, right? These are trillion dollar uh, markets. And a lot of these pricing are just based on the, the credit worthiness of the issuer. Like is, the question is, is this person, is this corporation, is this government is able to pay me back, right? And the, that's where the interest is determined on. And I think for if, um, if, if our thing, uh, sorry, if, 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 um, if we're really to build like Bitcoin native um, capital markets, right? Some kind of fixed income is absolutely going to be the primary instruments to, to, uh, to move things around. To, to, um, but like, where do these yields, where do this interest based on, right? You can't just collateralize some other shitty assets and whose value just fluctuate uh, by 1000% per day. Mm -hmm. But if you, if this cash flow is backed by, uh, if the interest payment is backed by um, the block subsidy, as well as the transaction fee, this forms a closed loop, right? This is blockchain native cash flow. This yield is backed by the mining activities, uh, which is really just the economic activities accrued on the blockchain uh, and sit in the block space, right? You can audit this. Uh, anyone who wants to see the construction of these, they, they can see uh, how, how it works. So in a sense, not only we're through this process, uh, we're not only trying to create something that allow miners to sell hash power into contracts, but also offer the DeFi universe uh, instrument, a uh, real scalable, safer fixed income product. Right? Yes. Yeah. With cash flow. Right, it makes sense. And it's closed loop, right? It's all happening within the native blockchain where hash rates being produced and the rewards being distributed. Um, so it makes sense from, from like a, an insulation perspective. It seems very tight at least from, from my understanding of, of what you're building. Yeah, so, um, so, so, so an analogy I like to use uh, when, when talking about you know, why there's no natural demand for hash power instruments um, is that the, 
the cash flow character, the cash flow generated by hash flow is very raw, right? This is a very raw material. This is, uh, we're trying to price these, or we're trying to price oil before uh, we figure out uh, uh, the use case for gasoline or, or diesel, right? This is a period of time when we still um, uh, mainly extract um, kerosene to replace whale fat and just completely ignorant of, you know, the more, um, more important way to use this, uh, more efficient way to use this raw material. So I think that's where we are with uh, hash power uh, as an asset class. I think this is another reason why people have tried to sell these things directly as contracts or as coins. None of them really um, touch the main pain point, um, which is, you know, you're trying to sell something that's unrefined. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if my approach is right or is completely, you know, um, too ambitious or it's just too to involve too many complexity and I, I do think it involves a lot of complexity <laughs> but um yeah i think I, I honestly i've been looking at this staring at this thing for 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 a long time um and i think this is probably the the, the only way to get this done yeah well i'm excited that you're building it and you're you're getting out there and experimenting with the stuff because it's completely necessary. Like you said, we need these hashery capital markets to develop uh, and we need first movers like yourself to get out there and put these products to the test to, to see what works and what doesn't. I mean, you are the man in the arena right now. Uh, one of them at least attempting to, to bring this mechanism to the market. So I applaud you and uh, your team's efforts to to make this happen because this is obviously one of the biggest nuts to crack in this this market specifically uh, in the market for hash power. Um, this is if you, if you solve this problem, you're solving a pretty massive one. And so I think uh, I think what you're doing and uh, Nietzsche with Alchemia is incredibly innovative and it is pushing the industry forward. So. In the very least, thank you for for doing that, and I, I wish you luck as these products mature and the markets begin to develop. I think um, and it's going to be very, very interesting over the course of the next decade to watch these markets develop. Um, how they develop. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 this is definitely not not um, not easy, and and we've gone through like multiple, multiple versions um, uh, of design um, before before arrive at, at this. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I feel good about it. I feel pretty damn good about it <laughs> to be honest. And, 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 and it, it may seem like it's taking a shortcut to, you know, sell this to, to DeFi universe, but honestly, I think this is the only group of people that can sell this to, right? This is the only market that exists that can play massive amount of volume. Um, and, and in fact, I think, uh, I think this also helps that uh, the decentralized finance to evolve to play with more serious fixed income instruments instead of just like little toys that's just uh, wrapped around coins with coins, which uh, is not scalable. No. And like we've said in conversations behind the scenes one-on-one, like you're playing in a sandbox and proving um a use case that people should want to bring to bitcoin i think you should want to bring these types of DeFi products that are very specific to the nature of uh, bitcoin success particularly the production and distribution of hash power 
Um, I think this is, this is a quote unquote DeFi product that people should want to bring to Bitcoin because it, it makes the, the industry, particularly the mining industry, more robust and resilient in the long term. Um, and so if you have to play in a sandbox on Ethereum uh, to pave the way, like I've told you behind the scenes, like it sucks that you uh, have to build this on Ethereum where they're, they're threatening to transition to proof of stake. Um, uh, that uh, I, I'm confident in the long run that this stuff will come to Bitcoin as well. Um, just whether or not the natives for DLCs, lightning enabled contracts, whatever it may be, um, are there when the timing it, right, it will be. It's there. actually possible for us to do like a hybrid approach of um, uh, of Ethereum and DLC, uh, but. <sighs> There, there is, there, but but it require a little bit. It's it's more of an oracle challenge that we have to coordinate between the two two parallel. Um, but it's it's definitely possible for us to. Uh, I, I, there there is a path for us to to do that. Um, it would require a little bit of change to our architecture and also require a little bit of help from the mining pools. Um, but but yeah, I think that's the first step towards you know the uh, to building something that's a bit more Bitcoin native. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I wish you luck. Thank you for building this stuff. It's a, very important for the, again, the, the capital market structure of the mining industry specifically. Thank you for all your insights on China. What, uh, outside of Alchemy, Nietzsche, what we just discussed in China, like how, how are you feeling about Bitcoin right now? Is it's a good time to be in the space, is it a tumultuous time? How are, are you, you bullish, you bearish, you, you know, a little despondent? What's going on? Yeah, so I stopped paying attention to price a long time ago. I just, you know, uh, I just, I just, I huddle, right? <laughs> I, I don't really have the um, mental bandwidth to, to really uh, look at the price, but I, I think the fundamental is very, very strong, right? It's very clear that we are the, as industry as a whole is much stronger than um, when when we first. Uh, I, I mean, you're way earlier than than I did. Um, uh, joined the industry full time, and I think it, the the amount of talent, attention, and just you know serious researchers, um, more seasoned, uh, just smarter developers that are uh, looking into this. It's it's far greater than uh, just you know one or two years ago. You know, there are 19 year old kids who are uh, very very um, sophisticated with you know different uh, crypto primitive. Um, there are you know just it's scary. Kids are very scary these days. And I think um, one thing that's very interesting is I think this is another wave, right? Is another wave that allow uh, kids to drop out of college uh, early to do something you know meaningful, because um, in the past few years, right, there are just not that many great opportunities for. I mean, not that I'm saying that like college is is optimized for. Uh, the, the purpose of college is not just for kids to drop out of, but um, I think it definitely this this where we are in uh, the industry right now, it gives. Um, it shows a meaningful thing for, for, for kids to, to drop out and commit to. And I definitely seeing this more and more often. Um, I think this, this, we are ultimately, we are building, you know, uh, financial infrastructure from ground up, right? We're, we're rebuilding this, we're rebuilding what, what exists. 
Um, and this is the start of, but this is why uh, this whole thing started, right? Is to, to redesign and rebuild the financial infrastructure to make it more accessible, more permissionless, to make it more transparent uh, in some things, in certain things, um, and just overall better. Right. So, and I think we are absolutely moving towards that direction. And, and there, of course, there, this path is filled with uh, various scams and, and bodies of failed projects and uh, just um, uh, um, all these different, uh, some, some relatively unpleasant things. But overall, this, we, this whole thing is moving towards the, the exact goal that is set out to do. Um, and I think there's nothing that can stop Bitcoin now, right? <laughs> nothing. Um, and I think there's nothing more exciting than this. Getting a big test right now. And it yeah. seems to be, to be uh, surviving. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to be here as well. And I, I agree. The, the Zoomers scare the shit out of me as well. They're coming up quick and they're, <laughs> they're brash. They're, they're smart. They, they climb the learning curve very quickly, which is, what you want to see right like good the youths are okay i guess we can say um but me and you yeah we're getting gray gray ball hairs now and it's uh we're going to be pushed to the wayside at some point uh maybe sooner than (laughs) yeah we'll figure it out we still got a lot to build here leo it's always a pleasure where can we find out more about what you're working on um, the research that you and the team at Nietzsche are doing, um, anything uh, else that you think is uh, important to, to get out there to the freaks? Yeah, so I'm still uh, writing uh, blog posts. Um, it's just a lot slower now. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still thinking, thinking about new contents to publish on NHLresearch.tech. Um, I still think it's a, a good reference material for new miners. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'd say uh, definitely highly recommend Anisha Research uh, to, to read for uh, investors even to, who are trying to learn about mining because there are a lot of interest from um, uh, traditional investors who uh, it's just every day I, I, I get these inbound requests like, oh, how do we learn more about mining? Where do I even get started? Um, and I think it's, it's kind of, it, it's, the mining industry is also filled with like a lot of deliberate uh, misinformations. Like sometimes you see these pitch materials of uh, like mining operation trying to raise money, and they're like, "Our projection is that we're going to make a hundred million by next year." Like first of all, there <laughs> there's the the underlying assumption is that Bitcoin price increased by fifty percent or over the next year. Like fuck this, right? <laughs> I think for new investors who can't really see um, what are the variables at play and as well as the assumptions that these people building to these models, um, it's very, it's definitely difficult to, to really understand what's going on here. Um, I think, yeah. So I think on that front, there's still quite a bit of, uh, uh, not, not work, but just, um, competition. I think competition will, will resolve all these, uh, but yeah, it needs a little bit more time. (laughs) I agree. I agree. We need more competition, more time, more data. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. I think things are uh, getting more mature as we move forward in time. Um, Leo, again, thank you for all your incredible insights um, and coming and uh, having a conversation about what's going on in China and the mining industry and 
giving us a little insight into the products that you're building at Anicha. Um, it's always a pleasure. I highly value your your input when it comes to the mining industry and what's going on. And, and I just want to thank you for your time this afternoon. I think the freak's going to love this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, until next time, I'll wait for you to drop some more content and we'll, we'll talk about that. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy this episode, freaks. Peace and love.